Hey, thank you for tuning in to the Relove Podcast. This is Pastor Rico. Our hope is that today's message adds life and power to your journey as you grow. Thanks for joining us. Uh, let's just uh, open our books to uh, Exodus. Open your Bibles to Exodus. We're going to be looking at chapter 2 of Exodus uh, at the first few verses. Exodus chapter 2, beginning in verse 1, I'll read, we'll pray, and then we will jump in. It says, about this time, a man, about this time, a man and woman from the tribe of Levi got married. The woman became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She saw that she was, that he was a special baby and kept him hidden for three months. Verse 3. But when she could no longer hide him, she got a basket made of papyrus, reeds, and waterproofed it with tar and pitch. She put the baby in the basket and laid it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile River. Verse 4. The baby's sister then stood at a distance watching to see what would happen to him. Soon Pharaoh's daughter came down to bathe in the river and her attendants walked along the river bank. When the princess saw the basket among the reeds, she sent her maid to get it for her. When the princess opened it, she saw the baby. The little boy was crying, and she felt sorry for him. This must be one of the Hebrew children, she said. Then the baby's sister approached the princess. Hey, should I go and find one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you, she asked. Yes, do, the princess replied. So the girl went and called the baby's mother. Take this baby and nurse him for me. The princess told the baby's mother, I will pay you for your help. So the woman took her baby home and nursed him. Later, when the boy was older, his mother brought him back to Pharaoh's daughter, who adopted him as her own son. The princess named him Moses, for she explained, I lifted him out of the water. Just for some context about this scripture, this is at a point in time when there was a a declaration, a law uh, made by Pharaoh to kill every male child that was born of the Hebrew women. The reason was because at this point in time, the Hebrew people were enslaved by the Egyptians. And the Bible says in in chapter one of Exodus that they were many in number, so much so that Pharaoh and the Egyptian people feared that they would become so many that they would overtake them. So Pharaoh, in the hardening of his heart, actually called a law for all of the male babies who are born to be killed. Um, This is very important because it really sets context for the decision that Moses' mother had to make. And we're going to dive into uh, a character in this story who often gets overlooked. We elevate Moses often, and we talk about the wonderful things that Moses did, uh, the, the, the way he led the Israelites out of Egypt, and Moses sure was used as an instrument by God and deserves all of that praise, but I just want to make it very plain and simple that without Moses' mother, there would be no Moses. And that's the case for many of us today. In fact, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 23, I'm going to use that as the verse that we lay our hat on today. It's going to sum up everything we just read in Exodus chapter 2. Hebrews 11, verse 23 says, By faith, Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born because they saw he was no ordinary child and they were not afraid of the king's edict. Not afraid of the king's edict. God, as we open our words, Father, open our hearts, Lord, as we explore what it truly means to be a person of faith, a parent of faith, and a mother of faith. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. 
The Bible is one of my favorite books for a few reasons, especially related to women, because it dignifies, it praises, and it communicates the worth of women in a way that no other ancient literature does. It, it, it places such a high value on women so clearly and explicitly all throughout Scripture that it's really difficult to, to deny. Uh, scripture elevates women. It honors women. It exudes love for women. The Bible also does that in a very sophisticated and beautiful way. Sarah, the wife of Abraham, to Mary, the mother of Jesus, who was called a blessing among women. Uh, Rebecca, to Elizabeth, who carried John the Baptist. Esther, to Mary Magdalene, who the first person to preach about the resurrection on Easter Sunday. We, 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 we've been talking about that the last couple weeks. Listen, in a culture that was highly oppressive of women in its governmental and political systems, the Bible shows a part of humanity that honored and lifted women through the ministry of Jesus Christ. Acts chapter 2 says that 120 disciples were filled with the Holy Spirit and many of them were women. Women who spoke in tongues. These were, these were women who preached with Peter on the day of Pentecost. Uh, there was also prophecy fulfilled. Uh, Joel chapter 2 verse 20 says, 28 says that God will pour out his spirit onto all people, including women, and that the daughters will have and profess prophecy. The words of Jesus about women at that time were heretical. They were radical. The words of women, uh, the words of Jesus about women uh, were during a time when men could divorce a woman for any reason, but it was illegal for a woman to divorce a man. Did you know that? In fact, Matthew 19, verse 8, Jesus actually almost rebukes or challenges his disciples because he's saying, hey, listen, the only reason Moses allowed all of you to be able to divorce your wife for any reason is because you all men had hard hearts. It's right here. Matthew 19, 8, Jesus tells his disciples that the Levitical law allowed them to have that power only because of the hardening of their heart. And then he goes on to tell men to love and honor their wives, which in that culture at that time was crazy talk. It was unheard of. It was not a thing that you did because women were perceived as profit, property. See, the Bible elevates the value of women. Jesus' teaching about women was revolutionary and it was beautiful. One of my favorite verses is Ephesians, is in Ephesians chapter 5, and it's actually before uh, the Apostle Paul tells women to submit to their wives, he actually says that men and women should submit to others, to each other in their marriage, which at that time was also unheard of. 2,000 years ago, these things needed to be heard, and they were unheard of, and they need to be heard in 2022 as well. We need them just as desperately now as we did back then. And I want to start in today's message setting that context because while mothers come in all shapes and forms in all relationships with their children and in the people around them, I want to take a moment to elevate all women. All people come from mothers as uh, the good uh, apostle Tupac told us that we came from a woman. <laughs> And it's true, and it's true. We would not be here today if it were not for women. And I want to elevate all of the women today as well. 
But when we look specifically in this uh, story in Exodus chapter 2 and we explore what it really meant for the mother of Moses to be a mother, we see something about her faith. We see something about her faith. Moses is one of the most critical characters in Scripture. Um, he is uh, responsible for the liberation of three million Jews through the wilderness, and he's responsible for the historical foundation of the first century church that we see in Acts chapter 1 and 2. Uh, Moses is one of the most infamous biblical characters, and it's one of the first Bible stories we teach our kids. But guess what? <laughs> Moses was made by his mother. And none of these things would have happened without the faith of his mother. Not only her ability to reproduce, that's not what I'm referring to. I'm referring to the faith of Moses' mother. Her name was Jochebed, and I want to say her name because we don't often talk about it. We call her Moses' mother. Her name was Jochebed, and we learn this from Exodus chapter 6. Um, Jochebed would... Jochebed is the reason that we have Moses. And I just want to pause on that real quick because while some of what you may be doing as parents and as mothers may feel insignificant, it may feel mundane, it may feel like you are caught in the everyday cycles and rhythms of life and you get sick and tired of it, you're often overlooked and unthanked and feel unloved, I want to pause and tell you that what you do matters. What you do is significant as a woman. And as a mother, what you do makes a difference for generations to come. And we see that in this story with Moses' mother, Jochebed, as well. Moms, please hear me. What you are doing in raising your kids is very, very important. And I know some of you may feel less than, some of you may feel like, oh man, this is really, I, you know, he, he, I, I'm not patient enough, I'm not kind enough, I'm not smart enough, I don't have enough money, I'm not enough, enough, enough. Listen, I want to point out to you that you are the mother that God chose your child to be raised by. You didn't get to choose that. God chose that for you. And I believe that in God's wisdom, he knew better than you what your child needed. And even if you are unable to recognize that in the moments of your weakness and in the moments of your shortcomings, I want to encourage you to understand that if God wanted your child to be raised by a different mother, he would have chosen a different mother. You are important. Exodus chapter 2, verse 2 says that the woman became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She saw that he was a special baby and kept him hidden for three months. This is what the word of the Lord says. Now listen, Moses may not have been that special. Like, let's be honest. When we go through scripture, <laughs> we go through scripture, we see that Moses had an issue with anger. Oh, Moses eventually became a murderer. Moses had a speech impediment. Moses, Moses was debilitated and crippled by anxiety and fear. Moses may have had some issues, and this is absolutely the truth, uh, but I want you to recognize that Moses became a world changer as a result of the decisions that were made by his mother. Moses may not have been any more special than the other Hebrew children, but the word of the Lord says that by faith, the mother of Moses. It says, by faith, the mother of Moses discerned qualities in her child that God had deposited in him. By faith, 
Moses' mother discerned in her child a purpose beyond measure, beyond his anger issues, beyond his speech impediments, beyond anything that, 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 that could be learned and seen through his life later on. In the beginning, before it all happened, Moses' mother recognized she saw by faith something that others could not see. And I want to ask you today, mothers, listen, please see your child in the potential of the purpose God has over their life. Can you, in your faith, see more in your child than you see with your physical vision? Can you, by faith, see more about the circumstances surrounding your child's life, surrounding the frustrations, the circumstances that, that, that make you feel frustrated? Can you, by faith, see past those things and see the, the, the way God's hand is on the life of your child? By faith, the Word of God says, the mother of Moses saw in her child something that was unseen to others. Please, See your child in the spirit. See your child through the perspective and vision of God himself. In those hardest, most difficult times, if you can see your child and your family and your circumstances by faith, you will see something much different than you will see only with your carnal vision. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7 says that we walk by faith, not by sight. See, we've heard that verse as Christians, and I want to say it a little bit different. Uh, we don't live by what we see, but we see by what we believe, okay? And as a Christian, the way you see matters because the way you see is an indicator of what you believe. The way you see is an indicator of your faith. And this is the story of a mother who saw with faith, it matters what we see as mothers, as parents, and as Christians. In the Old Testament, God would often ask the prophets, Jeremiah, Amos, um, Isaiah, he would ask, what do you see? You see this all throughout the Old Testament, God asking the prophets, what do you see? And then according to what they saw, they would say. So they would speak according to what they see. Because it matters what you see. What you see is important. If you are looking into the life of your child and the circumstances of your family and you are seeing fear, that's what you will say. If you are seeing uh, anxiety, that is what you will say. Are you looking for doubt? That is what you will say. Are you looking for defeat? That is what you will see. And what you see is what you say as a mother. But... If you can see by faith, then you will actually speak by faith. You can speak life into your child. You can speak life into your family. You can speak life that breaks the bonds of chains that were generationally uh, inhibiting your child's development. If you can see by faith something that you would not otherwise be able to see. By faith she saw and by Faith, she hid him, it says in Hebrews. How are you seeing your child as a mother? As a parent? How are you seeing the world around you as a woman? As a Christian? How are you seeing? You have to see by faith. Second Kings 
chapter 6, verse 17 says that Elisha prayed for his servant. And I wanted to tell you just a quick little recap of the story that's happening. Is This is, an, this is a, a time when Elisha's servant, Elisha's in the tent, his servant is outside and his servant looks and above the hills he can see, he can see that they are surrounded by an enemy army. And so Elisha's servant runs into the tent and tells Elisha, 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 Lord, Lord, please, we are surrounded by an army. And you would think that Elisha the prophet would then respond by saying, okay, let's pray that God delivers them. Oh, let's pray that, that, that God overcomes them. Let's pray for God's providence and peace and protection. None of those things are what the powerful prophet Elijah prayed for. What did Elijah pray for? He prayed this simple prayer. He said, open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. Because what you see as a believer matters. His servant was not blind. He did not have, a, uh, he, he did not have a, a, an issue with his physical, natural sight. There was an issue with his spiritual sight. And when we as parents and mothers have an issue with our spiritual sight, we are going to feel surrounded and attacked. We are going to feel overcome. We are going to feel defeated. What do you see? The servant went back outside after Elisha prayed that prayer and he looked back up and he saw that that army that was surrounding them was in fact surrounded by the army of God. And so it is with you mothers. You are worried about your children. You are fearing something happening to your children. You see that your children goes out into the world and they are surrounded by an army beyond your control. If you can see by faith, you will see that that very army is in fact surrounded by God himself. How do you see? How do you see? We have to see not only with our natural sight, but with our spirit, with the spirit of the Lord. And by faith, we have to see the potential of our children. We have to see the value of our children. We have to encourage what we see and then speak life into what we see. There is something to be possessed by every child that will not exist in him or her without your sight. It will not exist in him or her without your sight. How are you seeing your children? When the Apostle Paul is pouring into his spiritual son, Timothy, he reminds him of the faith of his mother. Listen, in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5, it says, I'm reminded, this is Paul talking to his mentee, Timothy. He's saying, I'm reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother, Lewis, and in your mother, Eunice, and I am persuaded now that it lives in you also. When Paul is trying to teach Timothy about himself, he doesn't tell him about Timothy. He tells him about his mama. And he tells him about his mama's mama. Because the faith of a mother will instill and inject itself into generations for the lineage to come. There is a power in the faith of a mother. And the same is true for us. By faith, we raise our children. We lift up our children. We release our children into the gifting and the purpose that God called them to. Her faith sees. Her faith sees. I'm moving on to the second point very quickly. It is simply that her faith sacrifices. Her faith 
sacrifices. And in verse 2 of Exodus chapter 2 that we read, in verse 3, I'm sorry, it says, she put the baby in the basket and laid it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile River. She put the baby in the basket among the reeds and released it into the Nile River. Being a mother or not, can you imagine? A mother or not, can you imagine? Can you imagine how she had to speak to herself while she was gathering those reeds, how she was putting together that basket, the tears that were forming and welling under her eyes when she had to wake up that morning knowing that she had to carry through with her premeditated plan to release her child, to sacrifice her child. Because the, the, the alternative to releasing her child was definite death because they were busting in the doors and killing all of the, all of the children who were males anyway. So this may also end in death if I release him, but there may be a, a glimmer and a sparkle of hope. This woman had to sacrifice Jochebed. Moses' mother understands that the difference between life and death for her son lies in the selflessness of her sacrifice. And mothers, I know you make sacrifices. Only a mother full of faith in a faithful God could lay her child in the river. And, and, and only a mother with faith in a faithful God could then accept her child back, nursing her child, to then release her child again. I'm going to remind you what the story says. It says that the sister of Moses saw from across the river that, that Pharaoh's daughter found the baby in the basket, heard him crying, and looked. And so she ran over and said, hey... Do you want me to find a Hebrew mother to nurse this child and then give it back to you after it's been nursed? And Pharaoh's daughter said, yes, please do that. And so she takes that baby back to the mother. That mother gracefully accepts to receive that child again and nurses that mother, knowing she has to give her child back in order for him to live. How many of you feel like you have had to give your children away in order for them to live? You had to give, you had to make sacrifices. Sometimes holding on means letting go. Sometimes holding on to your children means letting go. And we see Jochebed demonstrate this through faith. Feel her pain. Feel her grief. This was a, a painful decision. And she had to believe that God loved Moses more than she loved Moses. Do you believe that God loves your child more then you love your child. The Hebrew word for basket in verse 3 is actually the word ark. And it's referred to also in Genesis chapter 6 when we're talking about Noah's ark, right? And then it's referred to in the New Testament later on. The ark is referred to the church. It's the word that we use to describe the church. So literally what we see here happening in Scripture is Jochebed, Moses' mother, is giving Moses to the church, <laughs> giving Moses to God and the people of God. And there's so much power when you really consider what that is and what that means. Moses literally had to be given away in order to be saved. And then it says in verse 6 that the baby cried. Can you imagine a mother hearing her baby cry from a distance as a basket is floating down the river? Can you imagine the agony that Jochebed felt when she heard her baby and when she released him aimlessly into the river. 
This sacrifice was a demonstration of returning to God what belongs to him. And I say this lightly and I say this with sensitivity, but your children do not belong to you. They are being loaned to you. And that may be hard to hear and receive when you carried your child, when you were in labor, when you felt the pain, when you went through the struggle and you made all the sacrifices, but your child belongs to God. This mother's sacrifice communicated that she understood that she was the vessel used by God to bring into the world the life that God would use as an instrument of deliverance. Now, she may not have at that time understand, understood the power of what would be done with Moses' life, but she recognized something powerful about him. When Moses let go of the boat she made, she gave something up that was very precious. She trusted that God would take care of it and perhaps find a way to give it back to her. Her sacrifice hurt, and I know yours does too. Her pain was her gain for generations that she didn't get to see. Her, but her pain was gain for Moses. Her pain was gain for an entire nation. Her sacrifice hurt, and her separation set a miracle into motion. Listen, sometimes the severity of your sacrifice is a direct indicator of the promise on the other side of it. Sometimes what you have to give up and let go is a direct indicator of what God promises to do with it. And that is only the faith of a mother to sacrifice something like her child. Some of us are selected by God to receive someone else's sacrifice, but all of us are chosen to sow seeds of sacrifice for the sake of his kingdom. So whether or not you're a mother, this applies to you in the way you live your life of faith and in the way sacrifices fall out of your fingertips. In the way you live your life of faith, there is an indicator by the way you live sacrificially toward other people. Her faith was sacrificial. And I just want to encourage you because your sacrifice matters. Your sacrifice matters. It's not easy being a parent, I know. Faith makes tough decisions, though. Please keep making those tough decisions. Please keep sacrificing. Please believe that it is worth it. And please know that God sees your sacrifice. Be the reason that your child can look back and say, I am here because of the sacrifice of my parents. Her faith sacrificed. Before I move on, I just want to contextualize this from my own personal circumstances because I know that I would not be here today if it were not for the sacrifices of my mother. I want all of you to understand that nobody in our family is Seventh-day Adventists and even fewer are Christians. My mother grew up with an interest and a curiosity in religion. My mother has been everything. <laughs> my mother's been Buddhist. My mother has been Hindu. My mother has, I mean, all of them. We got all the paintings. We got all the stuff in our house. We got all the little candles that you ding. I mean, she's done it all. This was before I was born. My mother was a, a, a Krishna consciousness worshiper. This was all before she truly gave her life to Christ. And one thing that I recognize about my mother is that her passion that God placed in her for understanding 
on a deep and intimate level where she comes from and who created her is what took her to the Adventist church. And I remember the day the evangelist came and knocked on the door. And I remember my mother had invited them in and I remember they came back every week and she gave them, or they, they used to bring me crayons. I was four or five years old and I used to color with the nice lady. I remember these people and I remember the, 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 that my, my mom and dad would be sitting with them. And I remember my parents then taking me to church. I remember my parents getting married on Saturday and then baptized on Sunday because they wouldn't baptize you until you're married, right? I remember this. I remember this. And then I remember after that, things being difficult because spiritual warfare usually heightens once you give your life to Christ. I remember that. I remember that. But I remember my parents making clear sacrifices. Listen, I want you to know that today... I am here because of the sacrifices that my parents made. I am here today because of Seventh-day Adventist education. I don't know if you realize that. I am a first-generation Adventist, right? My parents came into the church. They left the church. My parents are both believers, but my parents do not actively attend or engage or hold membership at any particular church. But what my parents did was made sure that even after they stopped going to church, they wanted me to continue going to a Christian school. So... It was expensive. These schools be a lot of money. I'm not going to lie to you. It'd be a lot of money. And I remember going on Sunday, my mom would clean the school and my dad would do all the yard work. I remember doing this with them every single Sunday. My dad would mow the lawn. He would do the shrubs. My dad did all the landscaping for the school and my mom would clean the school, all the toilets, mop the floors. My mom became a janitor. My dad became the yard worker just so I could have a Christian education and neither one of them were still going to church. I want you to understand that your sacrifice matters. And as a result of their sacrifice today, I today am still in the Adventist church. I am standing before you as a pastor professing the gospel of God because of the sacrifices made by my parents. Mothers, your sacrifice matters. You may not see it now, but your sacrifice matters. My last point is simple. Her faith surrenders. Her faith surrenders. Exodus chapter 2, verse 10, it says that later when the boy was older, his mother brought him back to Pharaoh's daughter who adopted him as her own. So this mother gave her child into the river received her child back to nurse and wean her child and then return the child after she'd connected, after she'd bonded. She had to return that child so that that child could live. What enabled Jacobet to surrender her personal will to the will of God? What did that? It was a faith that surrendered she could surrender because she could see that God's hand was upon her child. Can you see that God's hand is upon your child? She prayed. I'm sure she fasted. I'm sure she thought of him day and night. I'm sure she cried herself to sleep. I'm sure she mourned the loss of her child after being reunited, knowing if, not knowing if she'd ever see him again. But her faith was a setup for the next generation. Can you Trust and surrender your God. Can you trust and surrender your children to God? Can you trust and surrender that God has something special for them? Can you believe that? Can you pray into that? Can you live your life that way? Can you live your life with the posture of surrender and submission toward the will that God has over your children's life? Even more than the will that you have for them. 
Can you believe that God has his hand over them? In John chapter 4, verse 37, it says, Thus the saying, one sows and another one reaps is true. I sent you to reap when you have not worked for that area. And others have done the hard work and you have reaped the benefits of their labor. Listen, God is wanting to send your child into areas where they will reap where they did not sow because you sowed into them. God wants through their life for them to experience the sweetness of the fruit of trees they never managed, trees they never planted, but because you did in their life, they will reap where they did not sow. This is a faith that surrenders. Your surrender to the will of God over the lives of your children will set up blessings for your children for generations to come, for their children and for their children and for their children. My mother sowed into my childhood. She saw God in me. She believed there may have been something different. She sacrificed for a Christian education. And that's just one example of the many sacrifices that my mother made. My mother surrenders every single day for me just to be here. For the first five minutes that I go home to Michigan to visit my mom, every time I go, she cries. For the first five minutes. And every single time I say, Mom, why are you crying? And every single time she says, I love when you come home, but I know that I have to say goodbye to you in a few days. My mother surrenders every single time I come home simply for me to be here. I don't know if you all realize, but I'm actually in Southern California for no other reason but my involvement here at Relove Church. So you can thank my mother for her sacrifice if ever you feel that God has blessed you through my ministry here in this place today. Sacrificing and believing is a daily battle for a parent. I see you. I hear you. Please understand that God does too. God will reward you for what you see. He will reward you for what you sacrifice. And he will reward you for what you surrender. What you are doing is so much more significant than you could ever realize right now, parents. Whatever that looks like for you where you are in your life. I know that this day can bring a lot of emotions. It can, it can be a very difficult day to face for a myriad of reasons. And I just want to take a moment to acknowledge that and to acknowledge you. I want to acknowledge the first time mother who's trying to figure it all out, God sees you. I want you to acknowledge the, the empty nester who's trying to get used to the new silence in the home. God sees you. I want to acknowledge the pregnant mother-to-be who's seeking to find the balance between nervousness and excitement. God sees you. The woman fighting to maintain hope through the roller coaster of her fertility challenges. God sees you. To all of those who are mourning the loss of their mother, whether it is by death or relational strain or distance, God sees you. To those who are mourning and trying to hold it together, today is the first or second time you've had to celebrate a Mother's Day in the absence of your mother. God sees you. To the black mother 
the Asian mother, the Latinx mother, the indigenous mother who have to bear the burden of teaching their children about the world around them. Hey, God sees you. To the mother who did not birth her child but loves them as if she did, God sees you. To the child free by choice who constantly have to explain and defend their lifestyle and decision, God sees you. To the adult trying to reconcile their challenging relationship with their own mother, God sees you. To the mother who, like Moses, to the mother who, like Moses' mother, gave their child the gift of letting go, you matter and God sees you. We see you at Relove. Mothers, we affirm you. God loves you deeply. You're doing better than you think you are. Your pain is not in vain. Your prayers are not in vain. Your faith is not in vain. Your sacrifices and your surrender is not in vain. God's hand is in fact upon your children because God's hand is upon you. And every time you touch your child in their life, God is touching them. So thank you. God, we just want to thank you, Father, for this word. Thank you for the example of what a mother's love can look like, the power that a woman has through scripture, God. Thank you for giving us these examples, Father. And I thank you for each mother and each woman under the sound of my voice, God. Whatever Mother's Day means to them, Father, I pray that you abide with that person in a special way, that person who may be in the car right now listening or sitting at their desk or with their AirPods on while they're taking a walk and they're hearing this message. My prayer is for that very person, God, that you meet them in the midst of their pain, in the midst of their confusion, in the midst of, of their hurt pertaining to the issues of their mother. Their issues as a mother, God, I pray that you send a peace that passes understanding, Father, but above all, that you send a, a clarity of sight by faith that could never be seen without your spirit, God. Thank you for the women in our lives. Thank you for giving us life through women. God, we exalt you and we glorify your name, Father. Let the love that you have given to us be not withheld to the lives of the mothers and women that are surrounding us. Father, thank you for this precious gift of life as delivered through them, God. We're grateful and we're thankful. In Jesus' holy name, amen.